Dale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop, here on another thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday for Torch Report 456, Harnessing the Power of Persuasion. Today we're going to be taking a look at the, the specific strategies that allow the few to control the many, the way that the global cabal is controlling our local leaders specifically. Friends, you need to know this. We need to know this. We need to understand something. And when I say we... I'm referring to my fellow working class peasants, of course. You know, I'm, I'm referring to the good old-fashioned, red-blooded, liberty-loving Americans from all walks of life. I'm, I'm talking to the Christian conservatives, to the liberal intellectuals, to the resolute Republicans, to the old-school Democrats, the libertarians, independents, and anyone else who will listen. Please listen. You need to know this. Regardless of your political, religious, or social affiliations, you need to know this. Your friends need to know this. Your family needs to know this. Everyone needs to know this. It's, it's so important. Ah, oh, friends. Uh, and, and please, uh, before we get started here diving into the, the principles of persuasion, according to Luke, uh, I, I think it's important that we, need to, we understand those who are at the top of the social ladder— those who are at the top of the economic ladder, those who are at the top of the global hierarchy already understand what I'm about to share. You know, it, it's, it's a, the pr- principles of persuasion are like a staple principle for the ruling class. It's the principle that allows the rich to get richer and the powerful to gain more power. It facilitates the rise of tyrants and tyranny, but... It also facilitates the rise of saints and salvation. Like all principles, the principle of persuasion is, the concept itself is neutral. It's how this principle is used that determines whether or not the outcome is good or evil or helpful or harmful, uh, whether it's for the benefit of the masses or whether it's for the benefit of the ruling class. The, the principle is at once both archaic and cutting edge. It's, it's timeless and it's true. It's something that you know but perhaps have never properly understood. Again, you know, I'm calling this the powerful principle, this, this principle of persuasion according to Luke. <laughs> it's the principle of persuasion according to little old me, your favorite fuzzy peasant. Uh, I'm not talking about the science of persuasion. I'm not talking about the any sort of, you know, academic understanding of persuasion, nor am I making any sort of reference to the great mountain of philosophical inquiry and deliberative study that has illuminated the various facets and functions of persuasion uh, for decades, right? For, for a long, long time, people have been studying persuasion. And those who are in possession of the specialized knowledge wield enormous influence. But friends, I'm talking about here, not, not that, that understanding. I don't want to get all academic on it. I want to talk about the practical impact of persuasion, the principle of persuasion relative to, say, the current geopolitical shitstorm, the Great Reset, and the great global consolidation of power that's happening right now, all around the world, right before our eyes. And, you know... 
persuasion. We can just take it at, at face value. Persuasion is how things get done, right? I mean, persuasion is, is how treaties get signed. It's how uh, elections are won. It's how wars are won. It's how laws get passed. It's how businesses succeed in their sales. It's ultimately how society as a whole gets structured from the persuasion, one person to the next. It's through the principle of persuasion that the power structures in society are constructed and maintained. It's through the principle of persuasion. That's how human beings are made into slaves. Friends, slavery happens when people are persuaded to obey. And I'll just give you a little example here, just kind of to, again, keep it practical, okay? Uh, there, the recent local kerfuffle uh, here in Klickitat County, elsewhere in the country, uh, over the forceful installation of smart meters on people's homes throughout the county, right? A lot of people didn't want it. But no amount of public pushback, no amount of rational rebuttal, no amount of emotional appeal was going to change the minds of the PUD commissioners. Just wasn't going to happen. Because the PUD commissioners, who ostensibly they, they represent the local community, but in reality, they had been persuaded to believe that this transition to new digital smart meters was good and necessary. And once a belief has been firmly ingrained, then these local leaders, you know, they took to defending their, their newly formed beliefs, the beliefs that were formed for them, by the way, through the process of persuasion, by the way. But now these local leaders are defending the beliefs that these smart meters are necessary, and they're fighting against the deeply concerned public sentiment that's been expressed in one local meeting after another after another. People are in an uproar, and yet they're going to steamroll right over the top of that because they've been persuaded to do so. And, you know, attending several of these meetings, of course, it, it seems like the public at large is completely incapable of persuading these local leaders, these commissioners, to change their minds. And friends, this is just one of an infinite number of examples, right? The question that comes up for me is how can it be that those local leaders who live among us, how can they be persuaded to ignore us, to override us, to, to even scorn the very people that they've been elected to serve. How can it come to be that these elected leaders so callously disregard the very serious concerns of local citizens? Friends, I'm sure you've guessed that it's through the power or the principle of persuasion. This is how otherwise good people come to betray their communities they come to stab us in the back, right? Because they've been persuaded to believe in the greater good. This is how the Nazis drugged millions of people. They drug millions of people out of their homes, marched them into a gas chamber, right? Great, heinous crimes against humanity. It was the local leaders that made these atrocities possible. Does that make sense? It's very, very key here. The government... The, the Nazi government, for example, in the past, learning from history, the Nazi government was nothing without its agents, okay? Today, the same is true. The government is nothing without its agents. And an agent, oh my gosh, it's an IRS agent. They're armed with weaponized AI and an assault rifle. What's the IRS agent going to do? You know, the agent is nothing and, unless they have the ability to force, to use force against you. So a government is nothing without its agents. A government agent is nothing, is nothing without the ability to use force against you. And thus, we aren't necessarily fighting against the government or fighting against government agents so much as we are fighting against those 
in our local communities who are doing the dirty work for the government and these government agents. In other words, friends, we are fighting against those who have been persuaded to stand against us right here in the local community. Does that make sense? I think it's pretty straightforward. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The thing. Tell me the thing now. (laughs) Uh, We are never going to be able to reclaim the reins of local representative government. We'll never be able to maintain local control of our lives. We'll never be able to live out our days without massive government overreach, intrusion, and control over every aspect of our lives unless we come to understand how and why and who exactly is persuading otherwise good people to go along with their evil schemes. How are so many people being persuaded. We've talked a lot about psyops. We've talked a lot about propaganda, uh, memetics, memes, and all this kind of stuff. Why and for what ends? Well, we know a little bit about the the why and the what ends. The, The global cabal wants to enslave us all, right? They want to depopulate the planet. But who exactly is really the driving force behind all of this dark persuasion? Well, if we kind of just work on it, you know, working backwards, It's the invisible hand of the secret global cabal, to quote Rockefeller, the secret global cabal, that has mastered and harnessed the raw power of persuasion, again for decades, right? Their ends are total control over a reduced uh, reduced and dumbed down human population. They want us to be docile and domesticated and disarmed in order to prevent any future uprisings. They want total control over the flow of information, over the food supply, over property rights, and every other aspect of civil society. And they want to profit off the labor of peasants, right? They want to rule over the masses with unrestricted authority. These people seek power for the sake of power itself. That is the evil impulse. And yet, And yet, they are working very diligently, very strategically, to persuade the public that their intentions are as pure as the wind-driven snow. They have persuaded, already, a great percentage of the public that personal sacrifice for the greater good is a worthy and noble cause. And they've persuaded the public to accept their definitions of what these sacrifices should look like. And here we enter into the equation the UN Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030, and the recent SDG Summit uh, up in New York City. So if we look at the Sustainable Development Goals, Agenda 2030, and all that kind of stuff, what we find is a master class in global-level persuasion that is currently enabling the long arm of the invisible hand to reach into our communities and direct local leaders to trample our rights and forcibly transform how we live our lives. Are you with me here? (laughs) Checkpoint, you know. Do you understand that the global elites are using international organizations to persuade local leaders to advance their anti-human agenda? Do you understand that? We need to understand that. Very important that our friends and our families understand that. So please share. Because the global cabal... They've long mastered the principle of persuasion, right? They are light years ahead of us in this department. The result of that, of course, is that people in the local community 
You know, they may not like the agenda that's being shoved down their throats. You know, say like the astronomically high gas prices, the bare shelves, the state surveillance through things like smart meters and all that. People might like like that, but ultimately the local peasants find themselves feeling helpless, you know, as they face their government overlords. What are we supposed to do? We're just peasants, right? They've been persuaded to accept that. But I say resist and resist we must, friends. Resistance is the spice of my life. You know, but, you know, the point I want to make here is that this pattern plays out over and over and over and over again. Right. You know, the government has an idea. It trickles down. And by the time they're pushing it in our face, uh, it's too late. We're, you know, too little, too late. Right. And right now, per the SDG summit in New York City, they're accelerating this cycle. These are the iterative, iterative disruptions that build resilience. So each and every time a hot topic issue hits the table in the local community, it pushes enough people's buttons, people get up in arms, but the public pushback is too little too late, precisely because the local leaders had already been persuaded to adopt a new set of beliefs. Long before it was pushed out into the public's psyche, uh, the leaders had already been primed, they'd been pruned, and you know they'd been convinced, they'd been persuaded to adopt these new beliefs. The elites understand this. And so we, the peasants of the world, we need to understand this too, friends. I'm just an ignorant peasant. So I'm learning here and I'm trying to share what I'm learning. We are reacting, you know, and what I'm observing, okay? You know, this is, you know, I attend a lot of the local meetings, but we are reacting to events that have long been in motion. We are fighting against momentum that has been decades in the making. The infectious ideas that are infecting our local leaders, that are destroying our society, they have long been sown. And these ideas have an inertia of their own, friends. The only way that we can overcome this momentum and this inertia is to redirect our efforts. We can't be fighting against what's smacking us in the face right now because it's just another smack in the face, another smack in the face, another smack in the face. And they've got a long list of things they're going to smack us in the face with. And I don't like to lose. I assume that you don't like to lose either. And so I want to point out here that rather than fighting what is smacking us in the face right now, which, you know, fighting feels worthy and it feels good to fight. It is good to fight. Fighting is very often, but not always necessary. I mean, we need to be in the fight. Okay. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be, but fighting right now, fighting what's smacking us in the face right now is ultimately a losing battle because the enemy is so many moves ahead. I hope that that is clear here. We do need to fight, yes, but we need to redirect our efforts. What are we fighting here? And we can't just be reacting to what's coming down the pipe in the moment. So we need to focus forward and learn how to persuade people using the very same tools and strategies that the ruling class is currently using and has long been using to persuade our local leaders. So Maybe you recall yesterday, uh, in the day that Donald Trump almost died, uh, I was talking about the Kraft Heinz company, and as I was digging into them, I turned up some fascinating connections. And so if you read yesterday's report or listened to yesterday's podcast and you click through and read their 82-page ESG report, you may have stumbled upon some of these connections for yourself. But since I'm guessing... You probably didn't have the time or the inclination to do so. Friends, I want to help you connect some dots. And I just want to pull up a little screenshot here from the cover page of the 2022 Kraft Heinz ESG 
ESG report. Okay. Screenshot in the report today. If you're listening on a podcast platform, just go to thetorchreport.com. Check out Torch Report 456 and you'll see the screenshot. And it says together at the table, engaging our stakeholders to meet our global sustainability goals. Let me ask you, where do you think the very best place to persuade someone might be? Perhaps it's together at the table, hmm? Maybe these globalists are onto something. Together at the table. They're engaging their stakeholders to meet their global sustainability goals. Wonderful. Friends, what can we learn here? You and I might persuade family and friends while we sit together at the table for a meal, for example. Uh, If one is civically engaged in local meetings, then perhaps persuasion may come from sitting together at the boardroom table or on a conference room table as another example. The key principle here, the principle of persuasion that we can extract here is that persuasion happens best in a sit-down, face-to-face situation. That is why the globalists have so many meetings, right? They've got the UN Summit, they've got Davos, they've got Bilderberg and Jackson and on and on. And, you know, what I, <laughs> I want to emphasize here is that because the globalists are gathering more people together at the table and they're gathering together more often, they are really out-organizing us, out-organizing we the people, we the peasants of the world by several orders of magnitude. And by the virtue of having greater resources and greater organization, they win, we lose, unless, but, 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 but unless, we lose unless we rapidly organize ourselves in a similar fashion in order to harness the power and the energy and the resources of a massive number of peasants. Does that make sense? Massive civil disobedience, massive peaceful noncompliance that could bring the whole damn thing to a screeching halt. The ruling class is powerful, but they are few. The peasants are weak, but we are many. And so with that thought in mind, I submit for your consideration that the balance of power can only be tipped by persuading more people to adopt certain core principles that bring people together for the purposes of mutual benefit and shared defense. The question is, how? Friends, would you be surprised? I mean, how, how, how do we bring people together? How do, we, how do we persuade people to adopt certain principles? Okay, how? Would you be surprised if I said that it was by engaging our stakeholders? Remember that that's, you know, the together at the table, they're engaging their stakeholders. We're looking at the globalist strategy here of just one company. I might add to that, okay? Uh, how about forming a stakeholder advisory council, okay? Engaging stakeholders, stakeholder advisory councils. Man, they're cropping up everywhere. But does that all sound, I mean, come on, Luke, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Come on, you know? That's so damn obtuse. That's so strange. It's just so formal. Come on, you know? Don't forget who you're talking to here. Friends, I have not forgot who I'm talking to. You know, when I, when I first heard the words stakeholder cropping up and stakeholder advisory council, I thought that it was obtuse and, 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 and strange formality, okay? But I've seen this lang- language literally everywhere in the globalist literature, and that indicates to me that it is a concept that is being used to persuade people all around the planet. So I thought I'd better do a little digging. You know, let me learn a little bit more about this concept so I can share with you what they are doing here, this process and the system of persuasion. 
So what I did was I copied the subtitle of that report, the uh, engaging our stakeholders to meet our sustainable sustainability goals. I ran it through a search engine, took a look at the results, and I, I put some links in here of what cropped up the first 10. You know, the WF, WEF, World Economic Forum. Okay, they've got stakeholder, stakeholder alignments, you know, unlocking the competitive advantage. The UN has a practical guide for stakeholder engagement. Ecosoc has, you know, stuff out there. Future Tracker has stuff out there. And each of those uh, links in the report today, friends, they provide great insight into how these globalists think, how they operate, how they organize themselves. And I think we would be wise to learn from their expertise. But in the interest of time, I see the time here uh, running just a little bit long, and that's okay because there was something else that came up today. And I'll just spit it out here real quick, okay? The uh, the fourth from the top search result was from BASF, BASF, and this is, I didn't know, I have any idea what BASF was, but they had a report, UN Global Compact, on stakeholder engagement. So I was looking them up, and it turns out that BASF, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, it's a German company, it's the largest chemical company in the world, and naturally, this great multinational corporation, the largest chemical company in the world, they're all in on the globalist agenda for so-called sustainable development. And we know that sustainable development necessarily means, and it includes reducing the human population because the human population is not sustainable. They've told us this uh, through and through. So it was disturbing to me to learn that BASF, this largest, the largest chemical company in the world, this globalist corporation who is deeply entwined with the United Nations and the World Economic Forum at L, they are also, they were, I should say, also central. BASF was central to the Nazis' extermination of the Jews. BASF produced the chemical Zylon B, uh, Zyklon, I should say, which was used in the gas chambers, okay? The same company, this globalist corporation, chemical corporation, produced the chemical that was used in the Nazi gas chambers, and it was being marketed at the time as a pesticide. Now, you know, just to tie it all together here, you know, we, oh, friends, do you remember how uh, the Nazis got a lot of their ideas from the American Eugenics Society? Remember that? Remember how the American taxpayer dollars are currently being used to fund Nazis in Ukraine? Remember that? Isn't it fascinating that the chemical corporation who supported the Nazi gas chambers is now standing in complete solidarity with Ukraine? Hmm. You know? <laughs> you know, history has shown us that people can per be persuaded to believe just about anything. And I think that current circumstances, looking at what's going on here, none of this stuff is in the news, but if we look at what's actually happening, it provides us with a perfect example of what, what persuasion, dark persuasion looks like, and more importantly, how it happens. How how people can be convinced to go along with genocide, for example. Friends, practically speaking, if we do not gather together at the table and discuss what is happening, if we do not learn to harness the principles of persuasion, if we do not learn from the past, then this current crop of tyrants is going to make the Nazis look like a bunch of freaking rookies. Our local leaders are going to believe that they are acting on the on the behalf of the greater good, and we're screwed. <laughs> Friends, it's our job to persuade them otherwise, and that is the message of my heart for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, please go to the website, find the heart, click the heart, give me some love, subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this thrilling, thought-provoking Thursday, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.